seeing my products for the first time in 3D form because you see them as artwork. But when you see your artwork and it's been printed onto a bottle and you've got the boxes, when you pour it into your hand for the first time and you use it for the first time, that's when you're like, wow, this is real. Hey, welcome to Ladyland, a podcast by Lady Brains, where we chat to ambitious women about what it takes to become an overnight success. Huge spoiler alert, the overnight success does not exist. We're your hosts, Caitlin, Anna, and Mava. Now get comfy, fellow Lady Brains, and ride with us to Ladyland. Megan Gale is a well-known Aussie supermodel, TV presenter, brand ambassador, and business owner. After being discovered by talent scouts at 18, she moved to Sydney to pursue a professional career but struggled to make the big time. After five years of grit, determination and following her gut, she knew something big was around the corner. Megan rose to international fame when she was cast in a European ad campaign. Since then, Megan has spent two decades working in Australia and overseas for some of the world's biggest brands. But what she's most proud of, aside from her beautiful family, of course, is her brand new venture as the business owner of Mindful Life a range of natural skincare products for babies and children. The name says it all, really. She's built a brand that teaches us to live with presence and purpose, to reconnect with ourselves and to those that matter most. In this episode, Megan shares with us what it's taken to build Mindful Life as a one-woman show and why it's so important to clarify your why, your reason for going into business in the first place. Enjoy. It was never an industry that I had great aspirations to join. I think growing up, especially like you say, being a little bit of a tomboy, I was kind of like half tomboy, like loved climbing trees, playing in the dirt, but also, you know, like playing with my dolls and my Barbies Mm. and all of that kind of thing. And I think I never really knew what modeling was until I was in my early to mid teens. And, um, and even then I never really imagined it was something that I could do. I didn't, I didn't grow up I wasn't one of those girls that grew up with everyone saying, oh my God, you got to be a model when you grow up or, you know, you're really pretty or that never really kind of was my story, I suppose. I remember seeing Elle McPherson on a, like a Sports Illustrated swimsuit special on TV thinking, oh my God, that would be so cool to just travel the world, all these amazing places and be photographed there. And I thought that was a really cool job. It looked like a cool job. The job Mm, description really appealed to me. But I think modeling never really kind of, Entered into my world until I was doing some deportment classes through a modeling agency in Perth, which I think a lot of girls were doing at the time. It was kind of something people were doing after school. And I think my mum thought it would be really good for me to learn a little bit about grooming and independence as well as self-confidence. I'd had my heart broken by my first boyfriend. And so I think that (laughs) she thought that that kind of might help me feel a bit better about myself. And It wasn't until the owners of the modelling agency saw me at my first graduation and said, would you like to work? Um, And I said, well, I'm still at school. And they said, yeah, you can do it part-time. And so for me it was like, wow, I can actually – I've got a part-time job. Mm. This is awesome. I didn't really think that my career would get to the point that it ended up getting to. But I think once – I then won a modelling competition, that kind of transported me over to Sydney – So I ended up going from being quite a big fish in a small pond in Perth to being a very small fish in a very big pond in Sydney. Mm. And I really struggled to get work for the first five years of my career. It was quite challenging. I think, you know, the look at the time, you know, we're going back to 1994, (laughs) um, you know, Kate Moss was the model of the moment and you couldn't find a model that looked less like Kate Moss than me. 
So I really struggled to get work and really struggled to kind of um, pay the bills and progress my career. It was quite difficult to begin Mm. with. Do you feel like that experience has impacted your determination and grit and your success down the track? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I kind of stuck with it for so many years because there was this kind of I can't explain it. It was just something in my bones. I knew that I had to keep going because something bigger was coming. Mm-hmm. There was something that was going to shift or change. I couldn't tell what it was. There was definitely no, all, all signs were pointing towards this isn't this is working, working. Yeah. give up. And I remember I'd moved from Sydney to Melbourne because Melbourne was a little bit more commercial. There was a little bit more, it was a slightly different market. So I tried the Melbourne market and actually did quite well down in Melbourne. And um, I remember thinking I'm going to go back to Sydney and give it one last go. I was 22 and I remember my dad saying to me, are you sure? Like you're going back to Mm. Sydney. It was tough the first time. Are you sure? And I just said, I can't explain it. I've just got this feeling like I've got to go back. And I knew that there wasn't really much interest in me from an editorial perspective and catwalk work was quite limited for me, I think, you know, because I wasn't like a sample size. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to focus on TV commercials. It's the one area that I haven't really worked in. I knew that the money was good as well with TV commercials. So I thought, you know, I might be able to do some TV commercials, save up some money, and then maybe look to do something else with some money in the bank because there wasn't much at that point. (laughs) And um, so I started to do a few TV commercials and, you know, upon moving back to Sydney, and it was the third one, third TV commercial that I went for that I got. So I got two under under my belt and then the third one I went for was for the Italian market Mm -hmm. and that job changed my career and it wouldn't have happened if I didn't move back to Sydney. Wow. Yeah, that was the shift. That was kind of the game-changing moment for me. And it's funny um, that you knew it in your bones, like there was something around the corner oh, for yeah. you. It's just like the intuition. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's listening to that, mm-hmm. you know, and it's hard because you don't know is that your own stubbornness or mm-hmm. your own just hopes that it's going to happen that takes you there or is there something like some kind of inner knowing that mm. that you should be listening to. And so um, I'm glad I did because once I got that job, my whole career changed and took me overseas, which I never thought was going to be possible became a household name in a country mm. that I'd never visited. <laughs> and then that had a flow-on effect and a ripple effect back home to Australia where then I started to get booked for me and for, for what I'd created there. So that was a lot to take in because it, it was one of those things that literally happened overnight. You know, it's very hard to kind of go from being completely anonymous to a whole country knowing who you are in a matter of, of days and weeks and trying to, at 23, get your head around that and cope with that and understand how to deal with that and lose your privacy and lose Mm. your anonymity. It was pretty full on. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting because, I mean, we say overnight successes do not exist and you are the perfect example of that, you know, all that hard work and then all of a sudden it just changed for you. It doesn't, it doesn't Mm. exist. I think you can have a moment that tips it so it becomes what seems overnight, but there was years of struggling and battling and hard work and prepping for that moment so while the kind of, I guess, that pinnacle moment seemed overnight and was overnight, but the lead up to that, it's the same as this business, which we'll obviously get to soon, but I'm at the fun end now, I'm at the launch end, but there's been so much, you know, this has been sort of five years in the making to me. Wow. So yeah, it's funny how something can seem instant, but there's a lot of hard work that goes mm. in behind the scenes. 
Can you tell us a little bit about how your career sort of transitioned from modeling through a few different things to business? Because you've had a couple of other different business ventures prior to this new business. Correct. Did you always know that you wanted to own your own business and that was kind of on the agenda? I think I always knew that I wanted to make that transition. I paid a lot of attention when I started modeling to other models like Elle McPherson and Cindy Crawford. And there were a lot of these models at the time who were really paving the way of transitioning from model to businesswoman and really cottoning on to the fact that they were marketable Mm -hmm. and that they added value and worth to other people's brands. And so I think for me, the path kind of went from model to ambassador Mm. and then understanding how you can go hand in hand as an ambassador, go hand in hand with a brand like with David Jones or with L'Oreal and that you marry together your attributes to sell product, to create a a kind of like a co-brand together. So I think that's when I started to go, okay, I can, I'm heading down this path. And it wasn't so much that I thought I could own my own business, but I definitely wanted to then start to dip the toe into the business world. So then I started having licensing deals come my Mm -hmm. way. So for me, working with already established brands and teams to develop my own business projects gave me a really good foundation on how it all works. Mm -hmm. And also, I think it's very different to what I've done now, but I think it's kind of, it was kind of like a good introductory, if you will, to the business world and learning through error as well, not just the successes. I think the successes are very easy to take, but I think it's learning through errors um, is where you really kind of get a lot of your growth, which I think happens to everyone. So that's, you know, it was, was really great to kind of experience it in, in that regard as well. Mm. Yeah, mm. definitely. We're really keen to learn a little bit about this new business. Yes. You said it was five years in the making. Mm -hmm. Can you first tell us what it is and where did the idea for this new business come from? Well, what it is now and what we're launching with was very different to what I started with in terms of a concept. Mm. So, look, it's definitely I haven't uh, reinvented the wheel. I'm not going to at all pretend that I've gone out there and created something really new and amazing. But I think when I it all started when I was pregnant with my son or just had my son actually towards the end of my pregnancy. And I was looking for products that I would be able to use on him. Like, uh, you know, your nappy creams, your lotions, Mm. your oils, all those kind of personal care products for babies and small children. And there were some great brands out there, but I think because it was a world that was new to me, I I had no idea about it until I started delving into it. And I wasn't just wanting to slap any old thing on my kid. I wanted it to be <laughs> safe. I wanted to be able to trust in the brand. I wanted to know that the ingredients were, you know, very natural and very good for my child. And there certainly were some out there, but I was really disappointed with the range of choice. Yeah. For me, I set out going, okay, I want to create these beautiful products for, for babies and small children. And that's kind of where it started. But then I stopped and I thought, okay, similar to what I was saying before, I don't just want to make products for the sake of making products. Mm -hmm. There has to be a bigger message here. There has to be something that's, I wanted it to be purpose-driven and something that ideally could start a bit of a conversation, make a difference. And whilst you can kind of provide a service by making these beautiful, safe, high-quality products, at the end of the day, what else are they doing? And what is it about my brand that's going to assist parents that's different from the next and the next and the Mm. next so then I just went back to basics and I thought okay let's 
let's answer the question of what's the why of this business. I think it's really important now for me, there has to be a why. Why have you done it? Are you just making products to make products or what's what's your message to people? So as a new mum with a newborn, I started to think about what it meant to be a parent and and how I felt about it and, and emotionally connect with that. And almost serendipitously at the same time, I was having my mum say to me, you know, really enjoy I know it's really hard having a newborn because I wasn't sleeping my son didn't sleep I was like Mm. on two hours sleep a night for months wow it was really hard and my dad was you know it's a whole other story but my dad was slowly deteriorating from cancer like it was just a really full-on time Mm. in our house (laughs) and I was kind of wanting to just push through that whole newborn stage and like oh my god this is hard and I want to get to the stage where he sleeps and just rush through that Mm. and my mum would say to me just slow down and, you know, try and stay present with it and try and connect with it. And at the same time, I would have so many parents, people I didn't even know would come up to me and say, oh, what a precious little baby. He's so new. Just enjoy it while you can. My kids are 18 and 21 and I wish I could have it again. And you're just going to blink and they're grown up. I lost count how many times I would have people saying that, Mm -hmm. okay? It's really important to send the message of, we need to stop and we need to be aware and we need mm. to be present. We are so rush, 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 go, go, go these days that we we often rush past the important stuff. Mm. My goal is to have parents go, yes, that's what I'm going to do with these yeah. products. I'm going to use them to connect. So when they're in their teens, I can look back and go, no, I know I made those moments mm. count. I know I stopped. I don't really remember it because it's a bit of a haze, but I know that I stopped and I embraced it. And I went into that chaos and I didn't breeze through it and I let them take me into their world because they needed me. Mm-hmm. And so from that point, that's when I started to go, this is, you know, how do I encapsulate this in one word? And it was mindfulness and it was being aware and being present and that's why I called it Mindful Life. For me, it's more than a baby brand. I mean, I've launched with baby products, but the goal for me eventually is to kind of develop the business to be more content driven as well, where we center around mindfulness and we we talk about it with professionals. I'm not a professing to be a mindfulness guru. I struggle with it. It's like anything. Practice makes perfect. Mm. And I I try and I wish I could be as good at it as my mum. But but I think being aware of it is the first step. And I think educating people about it and my I would love to talk to more experts about it and, and bring that information and that knowledge to other people because I think it's really important these days when we're so mm. busy. Totally. Yeah. And I was just thinking that that message is so applicable not only to you know families, but it's applicable more broadly, but also to business because I Absolutely. think in business, especially as you're starting to gain momentum or traction or whatever, it's so easy to get caught up in the what do I need to do next, next, mm. next, next, mm-hmm. next. And having that ability to step back yep. and clarify your why mm-hmm. and yep. you know have that perspective I think is really important. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of like a one-woman show at the moment. So I often sort of get throughout this, especially in the last year, it's been pretty hectic. And I would often get so caught up on my computer and just trying to get things done, get things done, where I thought, if this is the backbone of my business, I've got to start walking the walk if I'm talking the talk. So I'd often just go, all right, this is getting, you're getting in your head with whatever it might be, whatever issue I was facing. So I'd close the laptop, take myself to yoga go play with the kids, I would go and listen to some music, go for a walk and just kind of because if I didn't, I could see myself kind of getting because I have a tendency to get in my head a lot and that's why I 
find mindfulness really important as well mm. because if I don't, I can I can spiral into not so great places where I start kind of making mountains yeah. out of molehills. So it's I think you're right with business. It's think if you mm. if you're that way inclined, I think it's really important to know when to switch off. Yeah, you know things need to get done, but I find when I do that, I come back fresher and way more productive. Mm. And much more creative too. And I Absolutely. think in business we're told to, you know, hurry up, launch, because someone else is going to get to market before you. Mm, mm. And I love this idea that you took five years from ideation to launching yeah. the brand because you absolutely are walking your talk, which is great. Maybe we should coin coin the term slow business, like slow mm. cooking or so, you know. Yeah, I like that. You let, it, you let it marinate and you let it come to life over time and you've been able to be present with your family and your children and look after yourself as well, which mm. is which is great. Absolutely. And I think, you know, had I rushed, there was that pressure. I was like, I've got mm. to get this out and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And I think if I didn't stop, I would I might have glossed over that why and that purpose mm. and it, it might have just been another baby another brand. range, whereas this is mm-hmm. not for me. It's become more than a, a baby. I thought it was going to be a baby brand, mm. but it's, you know, I, I can now build this to go into so many different directions. Do you think becoming a parent did help you slow down and identify what your priorities are yeah. and you could kind of push the rest to the side and really focus on, you know, these are the most important things and this is how I'm going to prioritize my time? It did because I have a tendency to sort of rush, rush, rush. That was just the nature of my my old job, you mm. know, and, and before I was a mom, I used to, be rushing to the airport, got to get on a plane. You know, even the nature of modelling was mm. quick, change your outfit. You've got to get on the catwalk, quick. We, no, we've got eight shots to do before the sun goes. Let's go, 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 go. Everything, go, go, rush, go. And I was programmed like that. Mm. And so, you know, when I became a mum, I was always thinking, I've got to get the dishes done, I've got to get this and I've got to do that and I've got to change the kids and we've got to go, got to do this and that. And then once the mindfulness thing came in and resonated with me more, you know, I still fall into that habit because, as I say, I was programmed to be like that for years. But I think if you stop and observe children, they're so present. You can watch them playing. And, you know, I see my daughter, like she's 19 months, and she'll, she was picking berries off a tree in the yard a couple of nights ago and she was just looking at them one by one, <laughs> picking them off, and she was so into what she was doing and she was so focused that her attention wasn't anywhere else. And we can learn so much from that. So I want to go back five years when you kind of, you came up with this idea. Mm. What did those first, you know, few years look like when you were going, you know, coming up with the idea? What did you practically do to get it off the ground? And where did you stop and why? I think it was a bit of a start-stop process Mm. because I was still doing ambassador work. I was moving around a lot. I was focusing on my son, getting back into work. I think initially it really looked like, okay, well, let's study the market. First of all, what else is out there? Who are my competitors going to be? What are their price points? What are the ingredients we want to steer away from? What are the ingredients we want to include? What are the key products? What's your price point going to be? All that groundwork, all that foundation. So I guess a lot of research into the world, that world, to really get a better understanding of it and get educated about it, then you're kind of looking at, okay, who's going to manufacture it? What does that look like? Going through setting up those kind of agreements, working through formulas, that takes a while. And I think I'd even gotten into the point of doing branding and and the creative side with an agency where 
I kind of, that was where I kind of stopped and thought, okay, before we go ahead, let's kind of, because I had to think of a name. And actually mm. I, I came up with a name that I couldn't feel 100% comfortable registering and in different product categories as well mm. if I was looking to expand into different areas. So it kind of forced me to go back to the drawing board and that's where I was, you know, coming back to mindfulness and thinking that's the, okay, what is a word around that or words that can kind of really represent that? And so that's when I came up with Mindful Life. And then when you continue on, you go, okay, we've got to register that, trademark that. You've got to go into all the legals. You've got to go into finding out your domain name, registering that, like all these legalities and mm. I's that you've got to dot and T's that you've got to cross. And I'm a pretty diligent person and I didn't want to leave any stone unturned. And, you know, so that, you know, you just, and being across all the different areas as well, you've kind of constantly thinking about, okay, what's the next step? And I think when you're learning, doing this yourself, like as I said, with previous business experiences, I was very lucky in that I walked into having a full team, an infrastructure, funding, mm-hmm. um, everything was laid on for me. And I oversaw everything and I worked hard on those businesses, but I didn't have to do that groundwork. It was kind of, I came in at the, at the cushy end, yeah. you know. So that's very different to sitting in your office by yourself at home mm-hmm. when you're pregnant and then having a newborn and trying to figure out how that works in a world that you've never worked in before. So it was extremely challenging. But I think for me, I learned so much by doing it myself and not, I easily could have hired someone to Mm. just, can you just take care of that for me? And I'll come back when it's easy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's got my DNA all over it. Amazing. And I also understand every aspect of that business and how it works. So it was very stop start. But I think, again, it's better to do it that way and sort of take a bit longer than sort of rush through the process and not be across mm. all of it and, and then have it potentially fall apart because you won't across it all. Mm. Mm. Were there any areas that you were totally not familiar with and how did you upskill yourself? Did you draw on mentors or connections? So many or areas like, I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> None of it was familiar. <laughs> the only thing that's familiar is what we're doing now. I do yeah. interviews. So I, well. I yeah. talk about products and brands. Yeah. That's what I've done for over 20 years. I don't know how you go about get, we've got some of the product in front of me. We like do. every single word on there, like mm-hmm. there's a space that that has to fit on. It legally has to be correct. Mm-hmm. I have gone through this with a fine tooth comb and not just assessed it and written it and sent it to lawyers and sent it to manufacturers saying, can we say this? Can we not say this? What is that? Like that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. We're talking about there's that the sampling side as well and going through your formulations and me sitting there trying to understand, okay, well, what's I know what some of these ingredients are, but what's that? What's that? Is that good? What does that mean? Questioning, asking so many questions because I didn't know, you know, that whole uh, the digital side of things and the website and, and how that's all that all works and the financial side of things. And, I mean, the list goes on. There's, there's so many things that I didn't know, but I think my I knew very early on that my skill set was limited mm-hmm. and because I didn't have a team of staff to do everything for me, I sort of sat down and assessed, okay, what don't I know? Who will know this better than me? And I'm going to outsource it. Mm. And so that was really important to just try. And, but then you've also obviously got to find the right fit for the right people who are going to get your brand mm. and bring it to life in whatever area that is. So I tried to do as much myself as I could. But when I thought, okay, I'm out of my depth here, I'm going to have to call upon someone. 
Can you tell us a bit more about the manufacturing process? I'm really intrigued by that because obviously the ingredients look like they're very important to you. You mm. said you wanted to have, you know, those beautiful natural ingredients. Yeah. How did you go about figuring out what you should put in there? Who did you talk to? Did you go overseas? Are they locally manufactured? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, it was very important for me to have it made in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. So it's manufactured locally here in Melbourne. And I think I had, once I identified the products that I wanted to develop, the first sort of step is kind of going, okay, well, like for example, a nappy cream. Mm-hmm. There's various ways you can go about formulating it and making it. And I think for me, I had an independent formulator who wasn't part of my manufacturer who I would bounce ideas off. This is what I, you know, the ingredients that I was thinking about, how do they combine? And again, this is going to someone who's got a better skill set in this area than me and saying, what do you think about these ingredients? You know, what would you put in? What would you leave out? And it was funny because when I was sort of, as I said, delving into this world and looking at who my competitors would be and Mm. what products did they have and what was I competing against, you kind of look at the market in general, not just the ones who are in that more naturally derived organic space but even your bigger players and there would be some that I was convinced were natural and and safe and all this and having this independent formulator she was like oh no that's not a good ingredient they're really naughty putting that in or they're naughty saying that this is safe but it's not and that's I would avoid this and I would avoid that so going through the manufacturing process being a little bit handheld to kind of help me then go to my manufacturer because your manufacturer ultimately they'll make what of course. they want you to make mm. but you've got to dictate to them this is these are the ingredients I don't want you to use and this is what I do want you to use so they'll go together and they'll try it and then you'll receive a sample and you'll smell it and try it and feel it and you know if it doesn't feel quite right you'll say look it feels a bit like it's a, it's a little bit chunky. Why is that? It's got little bits in it. What's that? And I go, well, it's that ingredient because you wanted that in, but it doesn't mix with the other one. Right. So we're like, okay, well, let's remove that and add that. So it's a bit of minus and subtraction. And then it was interesting too, because when I was going through the manufacturing process and getting samples, when I was getting a lot of my samples back, I had Rosie and she was new, mm-hmm. not fresh, fresh, but she was a few months old. And she was kind of my <laughs> guinea pig. I was going to say, not tested on animals, but tested on <laughs> Rosie. <laughs> poor little tested on Rosie. <laughs> no, but they come from the lab. They're, oh, they're safe. I'm not, I'm not just you chucking wouldn't put anything, anything on, yeah. on her that I wouldn't put to market. You know what I mean? <laughs> not mental. Um, but, see, River was a baby that had, he didn't have, um, nappy rash he didn't have any dry pat like this kid he had the most amazing skin yeah poor little Rosie though had like she got nappy rash she got cradle cap she got oh. little dry patches here and there so but she was great because it, you know you want a kid to have something that you can go I'm gonna pop the cream on and see if what it does you know sure. so um that was also an asset as well going through that <laughs> process and so she helped out with that. But when you're going through that process, it takes a while. It takes a while to get it just right. And um, and at one point too, I was very adamant about not having palm oil in my products. Yes. And somehow along the way there was miscommunication and that's why I'm super diligent because things can th- – there's a lot of, there's a lot of things mm. to kind of consider. So we'd gotten the samples final and I said, and, and just to be clear, so we've not got this, we've not got that, okay. And so there's no palm oil. And they kind of just looked at me and they're like, ah, oh, it's in two of your products. <gasps> and I was like, what? What? That's a problem. Lucky you are. We need to reformulate. And they were like, oh my well, because so many brands don't care about yeah. using palm. Palm oil is actually, it's not a bad ingredient. It's, it's a beautiful the- ingredient. It's natural. Mm-hmm. It's just 
destroying the homes of orangutans. So, um, so anyway, so I said, okay, well, reformulating, what does this mean? And they're like, well, we now have got to go and try and remove the ingredient, but put in a substitute that's going to make your product behave the way it was before. So that might take a while. It actually didn't take as long as I thought. But again, you've got things like that that sort of set back your release date. And you, I mean, yeah. I was planning on releasing this end of last year and then yeah. it was February and now here we are yeah. in May. So there's things like that that happen along the way. You know, you're waiting for people to get back to you about things and I'm really happy it took as long as it did yeah. because it's meaning that I got to launch on Mother's Day. So um, I know that's perfect timing. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So, how are you planning on bringing the product to market? Well, you know, there's various ways you can go about it. I mean, the big, I think, the question to me was do you go into bricks and mortar retail? Do Mm. you sell online? And I think it was really important for me to sell online first for a couple of reasons. One, the retail environment I'm familiar with in terms of apparel, um, mm-hmm. obviously having, you know, and this is where, you know, my previous job has come in handy, you know, working as a brand ambassador and, and, and fronting other brands, you kind of get how that whole world works. And then having a swimwear brand in the past too, I kind of understand a lot of that. But I think as well, again, going back to not just, if I was just smashing out products to get mm-hmm. out there and sell them, I probably would have gone into a retailer, yeah. but because there's a lot of storytelling I want to do with this brand. And again, coming back to the mindfulness, that's the important thing. It's not about selling big numbers to totally. the supermarkets and the pharmacies that can happen potentially down the track. And I'm happy for it to happen. But importantly for me was to kind of at the risk of sounding like a control freak. I was going to say, maintain control. <laughs> maintain control. <laughs> but no, it, it was a bit too, because this is my third child. Yeah. And the messaging in this is so important that I know when you do go with retailers, you know, they take their brands that they take and they run mm. with them and they position them and they market them and they do it in their own way, mm. which they're entitled to do. But for me, it was really important to establish this brand for what it is and tell my story first yes. and have it kind of, sit there and resonate with people so that if it did go into retail stores later, then at least people would be familiar with what it is and how it's represented. Yeah, I think that's a great model. And you also said that, you know, content creation is going to be such a huge part, Mm. which I would imagine will come across through your website, through social media. Correct. So when people are online buying online, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to be seeing all of that. They're going to be able to read and, you know, hear Absolutely. and listen to you tell the story and tell the message. Can you tell us a little bit more about the content that you hope to release shortly? Well, I think we haven't created it yet, oh. but, but there's definitely a plan in place. But I'm still, um, I think I've been so focused on the products, product side of things and that's been the most important thing for launch. I think it's just about finding the most effective way of communicating that. And it will depend on who I'm talking to, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I already have a long list of people who are, I guess, mindfulness experts in mm-hmm. various areas. And so with some people it might be we might sit down and do a, a chat, a video chat. So it could be video content. It could be something where we do something similar to this where it could be audio. Um, it could be a written piece by me. I really kind of want to leave it open to it would depend on on who the subject is mm-hmm. really yeah. and how that's best brought to life. Yeah. How do you deal with having such a prominent personal brand mm. and sort of business and personal life? Is that hard to balance because so much of your life is out there? Yeah, it is. I think balance is the key word there, what you yeah. just said. It is about finding balance with it. I'm not someone that I share, but I'm not an oversharer. 
And again, I try and find that balance and I don't judge anyone who shares every single aspect of themselves on social media because Mm. it works for some people. Mm. It doesn't work for me. Um, I don't have the time to do it. And again, I'd be the a walking contradictory if I was filming and and showing everything and and I wouldn't be stopping and connecting with myself because I'd be too busy trying to connect with my phone and share and you know it's it doesn't sit well with me to to do that and I come from a different school of doing business as well and maybe it's a little bit like we're not moving with the times but I kind of think about when I you know models now they're kind of always on social media and they're Mm. always sharing they kind of have to because that's the Mm. what brands expect but for me it was like you went to work you did your job and that was it you went home you weren't Mm. still kind of working and so for me I really find a balance of sharing sharing my life my work my kids but I draw a line with it Mm. and it's the same way with there has to be a fine line between Mindful Life and Megan Gale because they, the two coexist and I want them to complement each other. But I, there's a reason why my name's not on these products. Mm. It's because I want it to stand alone on its own merit and with its own strength and with its own message. That's separate to me. Like I will, on my own social media, I will definitely talk about Mindful Life, mm. but it's not going to be me sort of pushing it all the mm. time. Um, and the same way on Mindful Life, I might pop up there, but it will mainly be about the brand. Mm. So I think, you know, when you become – a brand yourself and then you develop a brand, I think they have to make sense and coexist together really well, but there has to be a little bit of a Mm. line down the middle as well. What do you think has been the biggest pinch me moment that you've had in this business journey to date? Seeing my products for the first time in 3D form because you see them as artwork and you have your formulations in sample pots, but when you see your artwork and it's been printed onto a bottle and you've got the boxes and then you take that that little hygiene seal off and you pour it into your hand for the first time and you use it for the first time as the final result, that's when you're like, wow, this is real. When I see the products like that and I see the campaign and I see all these different little things that I remember, you know, being just so bogged down on different things and then seeing it all come together, that's when I was like, oh, wow, I did it. Mm. I did it, you know, and, and you, there's no guarantee that the business is going to be a success. Most startups fail and that's the reality. But at least if it does, I can say I gave it my all. I didn't give up. I kept going and I have learned so much that is so valuable to me. So I think that's where it kind of, it's all kind of come together where I go, wow, I actually did it. I set out what I set out to achieve. You know, what happens from here is is unknown, but I've I did what I set out Mm. to do. What piece of advice would you give to someone who might be you five years ago and wanting to start a business like this? Finding your purpose and your why is really important. Have a very clear vision from the outset and go with your gut, really go with your gut. But most importantly, and coming back to what we were talking about before, it's very easy to get caught up on that startup journey and you know, be like a dog with a bone with things, know when things aren't working and let them go and walk away from them. Even if it's people that you think, oh no, I need this person. I need this person there. Like that. Oh, I know they're not right for me, but I need to have them there now. They could be cancer to your business basically. Mm. So know when to let people go um, and know when to let situations go. Um, And that's where listening to your gut comes in really handy as well. So we just have three kind of final questions we'd like to ask. Yep. Sure. What makes you happy? I know it sounds so cliched and so almost a bit expected, but I think when I am just with my kids and my man 
and I'm not having to think about what I've got to do and what's happening next. And, you know, that's usually when on the weekends or usually um, when we're on holiday, I just love just being with them. You know, I think that's just, there's such important, precious times. And I learned about family just always, I think we all think family is important and, and precious, but I think especially losing our dads, both Sean and I, which still feels so recent, even though it was five years ago, it's, I think it reinforced to both of us how important family is and how special that time is. So mm. that keeps us pretty happy if we can all hang out together and with our mums too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who or what inspires you? I don't think there's any one individual person. I think it's anyone that demonstrates to me that they're fearless and resilient and that they can overcome obstacles. I think that I always find that really inspiring. And the reason why I think I like that is because it, that kind of people like that usually give you perspective and they usually remind you what you can achieve. So I think when I sort of see stories like um, Taria Pitt. Oh, yeah, mm. she's amazing. She's amazing. She's and she's got such a great sense of humor and lightness about her and she's been through some pretty gnarly experiences Mm -hmm. and come through it all with such a sense of resilience and Mm -hmm. fearlessness and you know that life's too short and make the most of things and you know talk about perspective you know you just hear her story and hear her speak and it's like wow you're amazing Mm -hmm. and I think that that people like that, that Mm. I really go, you know what, you you make me want to do more and be more and, you know, anyone like that just really blows blows my socks off really. And finally, what's next for you and what's next for the business? Hmm. What's next for me is, look, I really, I think the next sort of two to four weeks in getting this business off the ground and just tracking it and seeing how it goes I've come this far that I've got to sort of follow it through to that beyond launch. It's not like, oh, we've launched now. Let's mm. just sort of sit back. Yeah. No, we're moving on to the next phase. Like I've I've gotten through the developmental phase and now this is, you know, it's a fully-fledged business now. And so I think it's about being across that and now that I'm in a position where I think I can start to look to piece together a bit of a team and um, and build a bit of a support you know, in-house support around me. And, and, but again, it's pardon the pun, but it's baby steps. And it's just sort of seeing how that, I don't like to ever get too ahead of myself. So I'll just sort of see how that ticks along. And then for the business, yeah, like I'm, I've already got three other products that I've developed in the baby range. So I'll see how these first five track and then, you know, see at what stage I, I launch new products into the range. There's different categories, which I don't want to talk about yet, but different categories that I'm already looking to kind of expand into. And then the content side, which I said, that's probably going to be first and foremost of the next thing that I start to develop and starting to really piece together who I talk to about mindfulness and how I bring that to life and how I, you know, bring that to to the masses, hopefully, and, and have people inspired by other people's stories and advice. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram, lady.brains, and head over to ladybrains.com.au to find out more about our events and other cool things that are happening.